Welcome to the Physician Associate Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Physician Associate Podcast. My name is James. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Debbie Jegede, who is the Physician Associate Representative for Diversity, Inclusion and Equality at the Royal College of Physicians. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I thought it was a really important topic to make a podcast episode about in terms of diversity and inclusion and equality um, amongst our profession. So I'm really pleased to have you on. Do you want to start by introducing yourself, telling us about yourself, your career as a PA so far? So I qualified in 2018. I took on the PA diversity quality and inclusion role in I want to say 2020 at the end of 2020 Um, and I think it's a really important role because I know as a PA myself or my course I was aware that you know it was quite female heavy and also there wasn't much diversity amongst my cohort so it was just trying to understand why that was and what we could do to change that so that was that was what attracted me to the role and I've enjoyed it so far actually really enjoyed it brilliant thank you so your role for equality diversity and inclusion that is a role within the Royal College of Physicians and and with the faculty of PAs isn't it yeah so the FPA falls under the RCP so my role kind of I, I work with both the RCP and the FPA board. So with the board, I attend um, the board meetings and try and any input, any area that I can see that, you know, um, needs my input from like diversity and quality and inclusion aspect. So when they're having elections, I was trying to have a bit of an input in how they're trying to attract people from the wider population just because I know that a lot of people have a lot of opinions about the board and just ensuring that you know the way we are putting out the election is appropriate to target people from different backgrounds and something that I wanted to work on as well that I did attempt to try and start working on was um, access to the course because the course is self-funded or you could get the master's um, learn the postgraduate loan but not everyone has access to that and I think that you don't want the PA profession to become like a middle class or upper class profession you want it to be open to people from different background because actually when you have a diverse profession you know your patient experience is also impacted because you're able to understand patients from different backgrounds so I think it's always always important in terms of that but with the RCP as well. So they had the Dan Summer Skills recommendations. So he did a review of the RCP. And the umbrella that I fall under for that is showcasing diversity. So the things that we focus on is like the building, the website, the conferences that occur over the RCP. And with the building, just making sure that obviously, you know, you can't change history. So when people walk into the RCP building, there are quite a lot of Caucasian male statues and pictures, but just embracing the progression in the medical, you know, history that actually things have changed. And there are women that have made great impact in the medical world also people of color and just people from different backgrounds so it's not trying to take away what history is it's just trying to show how things have progressed and just making the website more user-friendly 
um, are more representative of the workforce. And I think that's always always important because it encourages people that think that actually just because I've come from a certain background or I look a certain way or I identify a certain way, it doesn't mean that you can't also be involved in these things. So I think it's important to take these recommendations on board. Um, yeah, so I've enjoyed doing that. So that's part of what I do with the RCP and the FPA. It's been good. I've really enjoyed it. And I think it's always important when I saw the role, I was actually quite excited because just recognising that we do need a role for that and that it's something that needs to be looked at and something that needs to be addressed rather than just saying, oh, yeah, we know that there's not diversity. We're actually trying to make an effort to change it. So I, I was quite happy to see that role advertised. And I put, I was working with Kate and the FPA to put a newsletter out just to introduce myself that this is the role that I'm currently in and that if anyone had any you know suggestions we're always open to suggestions because obviously I've gone into it with an interest but I'm not going to see all the different things and I'm not going to be able to change everything by myself so just putting that out there just if anyone wants to make any suggestions then drop me an email brilliant thank you I'll be sure to include your contact details in the show notes of this episode. So if people want to get in touch after hearing what yeah. we've spoken about, they can get in touch. As a profession and with the Faculty of Physician Associates, we run a census every year um, to look at the type of people that are working as physician associates, don't we? And where they are in the country and what sort of jobs they're doing. And it includes things like what gender, race, sexuality, age, all of these kind of protected characteristics. Do you want to talk us through some of the findings of the most recent census, the one from 2020? Yeah, so the most recent census has been published on the FPA website, which everyone has access to. So if you go on the About tab, and then if you just click, you can find a sense, all the censuses for the previous years as well. And I'm sure the 2021 census data should be released probably shortly. Um, so I think the last one that's been released in 2020 shows that 66% were of re respondents were women and 22% were men and 12% preferred not to answer the question. But it does show some improvement because from the data from the year before, I know that it was a lower rate of people that identified as males as respondents. So I think we are making some progress. Obviously, it's still quite a heavily female profession. But I think we are making some progress. I'd be interested to know from listeners why they think males aren't coming into this profession. But I think also with the census, not everyone always responds to the census. So I'm not sure how accurate the full data is. But from the people that have responded and from the years that I've been working, a majority of PAs are females. Um, and from that data as well we can see that two-thirds identified as English people and the next largest group were Africans and then Indians and then Asians and so I think it is important that the board and the different areas of the FPA is represented by people from different ethnic backgrounds as well and also from that as well we can see that 78% of the people were heterosexual and 5% were gay men or women and 2% were bisexual. I think it's also important to always include these things into it because as we know, society's changing, people identify as diff in different ways and their sexualities and even ethnic backgrounds, people identify in different ways. 
and just makes the profession as a whole more, more well-rounded. So I think it is good. Um, and I think we are making progress. I mean, overnight, it's not going to turn into a multicultural um, profession, but I think slowly and steady is heading in that direction. And that's always, always a positive thing. I think a lot of times we focus on the negatives and we're like, oh, yeah, the board is completely female, Caucasian, but actually our new president is a male. Um, so that's a good thing. I don't know if we've had a male president before, so I'm excited for that. And it's just diff- having someone from different gender or just different sexuality is always a good thing. I think just showing that we're inclusive and everyone has an opportunity to go into these roles. So yeah, I think that's a good thing because I think some people see someone like see the pictures of the board and think actually, no, I wouldn't fit in. But actually, um, you just see the board mem- the board members, but there's different areas of the FPA, like the Devolved Nations Group, what I'm doing with the, being a rep for the RCP. And then actually when you look at the great grand scheme of things with the FPA, it's actually quite diverse. diverse. Um, so yeah, I think that we're working towards, I think since I've joined anyway, being a rep, I think it has, it is quite a diverse group, a team of people. Uh, I'm not sure that everyone always has the full information of like all the smaller little groups and all the people that are working around and with the FPA. So I think they're just focused on what they see on the FPA board, but I know that they're working on showing on the website, a page or all the other reps so we can see the other people from different backgrounds actually are part of the FPA. One of the aspects that I suppose it's important to consider and I think you mentioned on it in your introduction is not ignoring the past and accepting what has gone in the past doesn't have to be in the future. Do you find it challenging in your work as a PA or your work as a rep in your day-to-day life to sort of combat issues like that? So I haven't, I wouldn't say in my PA life I've actually had any issues in terms of you know diversity or equality I haven't actually had those issues in my personal life yeah as a PA I don't think I've really had those issues and obviously like I said you can't ignore history there is it is medicine before I was considered like a rich man's profession Um, and it's just like now you walk into I don't know, our huddle, and you have female consultants, you have male consultants, you have people that are sexual, you have people that are just people from bisexual, people that are gay. And I think that just accepting that actually things are changing. And yes, it's not probably as diverse as, you know, what we'd say is acceptable, but it is still, you know, there is still some change happening. And like I, when I was on my surgical placement, it was still heavily male influence, but that's not to say in actually, when I go to my GP, all the GPs in my practice are females and half of them are Asian or black. So I think it's just depending on like where you are, where you work, maybe the specialty you work in, but I think we are heading towards a more diverse like a whole medical workforce is becoming way more diverse. I know that NHS put out information as well about kind of like the diversity amongst the workforce. And I know that it is improving. It's not that we're going backwards, we are going forwards. Um, But I do think it does depend on the area you work in and what speciality you work in. It is dependent on that. I do still find that in some specialities, it's still very male 
heavily male influenced and some specialities actually it's a bit more diverse so I just think it depends generally on where you work. Does your role cover people with disabilities and long-term health conditions and that kind of stuff as well? Yeah no it does so it's not just how you identify it's not just your sexuality it's not just whether you identify someone to having a long-term health condition or identify as disabled. I think it's just the overall general. And that's the whole point of it being equality because and inclusive because it's including everything and everyone, everyone. And that's what makes the world go round. I know that sounds really cheesy, but actually it's what makes the medical workforce a lot better and delivering patient care a lot better because it makes you understand things a bit better when you work with someone who identifies as being having a disability or if you're just working with them maybe you're able to get a bit more understanding if you come across a patient with the same disability or long-term health condition so the role kind of covers everything because just covers people and how we identify and how we want to be identified I think that's the good thing about this role. I think initially when I started the role, my focus on it was actually, oh, get people from different ethnic backgrounds. Then I came into actually there needs to be gender equality. And then people that actually need to include people with you know, different long-term health conditions or disabled people, different sexuality. So it's quite a well-rounded role. And it's through it as well, I've learned quite a bit as well from just being in the role myself because I think when I first took it on as I said I literally was just tunnel visioned and trying to get people of colour into the PA boards trying to get people of colour on to like be involved with FPA and the RCP things but actually there's more to it to diversity and equality than just kind of what ethnic background you come from there's loads of things that make up a human being. There has been some criticism, and I think you alluded to it earlier, around the makeup of the FPA board. And there were thin videos and things circulating on social media a few years ago about um, how it was predominantly white and predominantly female um, as a as a board and a profession and lacking that diversity. Mm. Um, so I think I think in every organization there'll always be criticism, and it's how you handle it. And I think taking on this role, when I first did my newsletter, you know, I put it out that actually people should put themselves forward, try and apply for these roles, try and get involved. And I think a lot of times we get stuck and just criticising things. And I'm not sure how many people actually put themselves forward. I haven't got the accurate data, but I know like in terms of the presidential, you know, the presidential, new presidential role, um, there was I didn't see like it wasn't as diverse as I was expecting but that's not because of the PA that's FPA that's because of people who put themselves forward so if you don't put yourself forward then how can it change kind of thing so I think a lot of people get stuck and complaining and opinions and criticizing but actually if no one puts themselves forward then things can't change for there to be a PA rep on the diversity inclusion and um, delivery group for the RCP I had to put myself forward but if I didn't put myself forward and complained about it then that's not really helping to make the change and I think the FPA are quite transparent and they put out you know the president is elected into put out all the PAs but actually I think it was the percentage of people that vote is not it's not 100% of PAs that are on, on the um, voluntary register that vote 
but then people don't get happy with the results or, you know, the vice president, it's put out to people. So I think they are transparent and they do give an opportunity, a fair opportunity for people to vote and for voices to be heard. But it's whether people actually respond to them. Because I've always said that even when I did the newsletter, I've put my email and contact details. I'm always happy to hear or, you know, suggestions on how things have changed, can be changed and put that to the FPA board. But I don't really get much from people um so yeah I look forward to maybe hearing some more opinions after this podcast on ways people think that things can be changed are there other big issues that you're working on or projects that you're working on at the moment to deliver in in that equality and diversity space um so one of the things that I know the PA conference is coming up and I know the planning team so the planning team reached out to me just to look at the speakers because I think another thing is like especially with the RCP role we were making sure that conferences were inclusive and I had a look at the program for this year and they've got a lot of exciting topics and actually it, it discusses a lot of big topics around how you identify and things that are done without giving away too much and things that are you can do to change your identity so and, you know, just speakers from different backgrounds is not just all male speakers, it's not just all female speakers. So I had a look at the programme and actually it does look quite diverse in terms of the conference. So that's one of the things I was working on. And I am currently working on an exhibition that's going to be at the RCP building that's going to come. I can't give too much away, um, but that's also shown how medicine has changed over the last couple of years. So those are probably the two main things that I've been working on at the moment. Like I said earlier in the podcast, something I'd really like to work on is, you know, getting some funding for PA students so we can target people from different backgrounds. Um, so it can be like a social, economical, diverse profession. You know, it's not just a rich person's profession. People from different backgrounds can also be encouraged to apply for this role and to register into universities for this role. That's something I really do want to work on because I know tuition fees are going up as a PA student, you know, going to placements, some are really far away, accommodation, travel, and it's just quite a lot of expenses for the average person, especially if it's not your first master's degree. And a lot of people come from different backgrounds, people if they've got families already or you've got dependents, um, it's probably not easy. I was lucky I had to support my parents, but not everyone has that. So just working on some sort of funding for students, something else that I would like to do so that we can open the PA profession to a wider population. And that also encourages more diversity, more equality, I guess, and inclusion. Makes a lot of sense to me. I think we all know that there are parts of the country where you would prefer to work and perhaps parts of the country where you wouldn't want to work necessarily. And mm. it's often quite difficult to recruit to those more... So lower socioeconomic places or places that are viewed as a bit less desirable to live in. So you don't necessarily want to live there. And then you can't recruit clinicians to work in those GP practices in those hospitals. So yeah, if you can get people who come from those areas, live in those areas and are bright and, and academic and want to work as a PA, they're more likely to go and work in their local community and, and look like their local community represent their patients. Yeah, 100%. Connect with those people better. Yeah. And that's what I mean. So the whole diversity, and it's not just so we can look like a multicultural 
profession. I think it's also really important for patient care because like you said, you understand where the patient's coming from. You understand a bit more the patient's frustrations because you live in their situation, live in their environment. Like I've worked in areas where it's heavily like uh, a Muslim background. I'm able to understand like different females, like if they're like less, don't really want a male clinician and want a female, I'm able to understand that a bit better just because you know, I've worked with them quite for quite a long time. Um, and like you said, there's places where people don't find desirable to work. But actually, if you employ people in that area that live in that area already, grown up in that area, it's easier for them to work there. And also the patients feel a bit better because if you as a patient go in and you're from like a low socioeconomic background and the person you're seeing is like someone, that you know, has all the riches in the world you don't feel like you can relate or open up to them as much mm-hmm. um, especially yeah. in GP practice but if it's someone that obviously I'm not saying that just because you're from a low socioeconomical background and both of you you're going to automatically understand each other's troubles but it just makes it a bit more nicer almost and a bit more comfortable for you to express how you're feeling and be like honest about what you're going through yeah definitely makes a lot of sense I think Perhaps it's uh, an easier connection to make, isn't it, initially? Yeah, uh, 100%. Shared, shared past or shared history and, and common ground to build on. So. Yeah. And I feel like as a medical profession, as a clinician, you know, you need to have some sort of like, obviously still professional connection with your patient to be able to get them to answer the questions appropriately and get a full understanding of what's happening with them because then you can deliver the highest level of care for them because you're able to completely not completely but you know near enough understand what they're going through so it does make it better it does make a difference I think it's important and that probably starts in primary schools and and high schools isn't it in terms of telling kids about careers in healthcare and encouraging people to go into healthcare as a career they often to rule that out as an option for themselves quite early on I imagine yeah because if you've gone to school and everyone that you've gone to school with no one's gone to university or you've come from a family where no one's gone to university and you know those thoughts don't go through your mind like actually I will probably never be able to afford university or you know no one around me has gone university so why do I need to go to university or what difference is that going to make for me you know you kind of get stuck in that but actually if the profession is open to people from different socioeconomical backgrounds and there's bursaries or you know because then it means that you know we can definitely get a more diverse PA profession because you can capture people from different backgrounds you know people won't automatically think that oh you know what I'll never be able to afford it so I can never be a PA just because of their financial situation or because of where they've grown up or where they've come from Brilliant. Thank you, Debbie. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. If people have heard our episode, it may have sparked off ideas or questions and they may want to get in touch with you. What's the best way for them to reach out? The best way to reach out is probably via email. Any opinions, frustrations, suggestions, and if you want to get involved, it'd be nice to hear from everyone. Brilliant. Thank you, Debbie. And I'll leave your contact details in the show notes of the episode so that people can find out your email address and how to get in touch with you there. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, it's been a pleasure being invited to talk on the show. And I hope I have offended anyone. Um, But like I said, if anyone has any opinions, suggestions, 
or anything just really or how to get involved in the FPA or any PA work then just let me know and I can forward it on to the appropriate person and be of help brilliant thank you and thanks to you for listening as well I hope that this episode has been really useful to find out a little bit more about some of these topics around equality and diversity and inclusion and I hope that you'll be able to get in touch with Debbie if you've got any questions or comments if you'd like to get in touch with me I'm also on social media at PA podcast UK it'd be great to hear any feedback about the physician associate podcast or if you've got any ideas for future episodes of the show I hope you'll join me again for the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Physician Associate Podcast.